What's up, YouTube? I'm Robert, and this is the Biker Bar Podcast live stream. Oh, it never gets old. I don't know why I enjoy saying it that way, but I do. Anyways, this is episode 76, and today we're going to have Seth on from Seth's Bike Hacks or Berm Peak or Berm Peak Express or whatever it is. I'm sure you guys know who he is by one of those channel names or all of them. But first, let's go ahead and, and get through the uh, the beginning of the show here. I want to say thanks to everybody that's showing up to, to listen or to watch live. Uh, I know this is an impromptu show kind of thrown up on not the normal Sunday night. But hey, when opportunity knocks, I'm just going to open the door. So here we are. Um, those of you guys that are interested in seeing what's up with the biker, the biker uh, community, swing by my Instagram or my Facebook at BikerB1 and check that out. If you could give me a follow, that'd be sweet. Uh, it's always, I, I put a lot of pictures up there. Don't follow them both. Just one of them. Cause it's the same pictures on both of them. Unless you like want to see the same thing twice, go for it. It's up to you. I'm down either way. Um, those of you guys that are on Patreon, I really appreciate all of you. Seriously. It, this show happens because of you guys see that, like those of you guys are listening to your car. Can't see this awesome blue light that I got in the back of me, but those blue lights were purchased by people on Patreon. You guys make this show happen. If it wasn't for you guys, who knows where it would be? Probably not looking as good as it does right now. So thanks to all of you. If you guys want to join Patreon and help me out, it's a buck a month. You can get on there. You get access to coupons that I've worked out with vendors that I've had on the show or distributors or companies, whatever you want to call them. People that have been on the show set up coupons that are strictly for my Patreon. It's only a buck a month to get into that. And that's like what? You order a... Remember when we could go to the bar and get a beer? You like, dude pours your beer? Here's a buck, man. Thank you. Here it is. Same thing, except for it's a buck for a podcast that you can listen to over and over again. So that's one way. Or you could do five bucks a month. That's my happy hour where you get a sticker pack. And uh, there's some new stuff coming out there soon. It'll be probably up in the next couple of weeks. I'm waiting for a shipment, a big box from China. And uh, once that comes in, there'll be another tier. So thanks to all you guys on Patreon, it means a lot. Those of you guys that don't want to do that and you just want to help out the channel another way, you can swing by shop.biker.com. I got these new tumblers. They're gonna, they're like a stainless steel cup. It's pretty cool. I like it a lot. Keeps your beer cold, your water cold, and you can put stickers on it too. That's what I do. I got one of those up there. I got some, uh, some of these pretty cool uh, credit card size bottle openers got those made in China as well. And then I also have some, uh, these are all just new products that I got up there. I want you guys to check out. I have some slap koozies. These things are pretty sick. They remind you of the, uh, eighties or the nineties or whatever you want to say. And you can just slap them on your beer or your wrist in this case, or you can also put it on down tube your bike. That's the reason I originally made them was so you can put on the down tube your bike if you're shuttling and keep your paint from getting screwed up. So, that's that man hey let's go ahead and welcome seth back into the show what's up man how's it going very good better than <laughs> ever well better than it in the last few months yeah i can imagine so um you and i have both been out of power in the last couple of days here how was that as i i mean i was up at 4 a.m like i've been pretty much every day now and uh Power was out, super windy, uh, but it came back on. Not not much to report. Yeah, yeah. We had this big windstorm come through out here, and just like Sacramento is by, it's called the City of Trees, and um, there's a boatload of big old growth trees here, and this whole place looked like a tornado came through, and like power is out all over the place, and that was not exciting at all. 
I'm glad it's back on now. I yeah, haven't hung right. out with you in a, in a little bit. Yeah, dude, it's been a long time. Like we were saying right before we started the show, um, I think the last time I saw you would have been almost a year ago, to tell you the truth, because it would have been at Sedona. I think you were at the last one, right? And then the whole world shut down. Yeah. 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 <laughs> That's crazy, too, to think about. Unfortunately, the new one, just uh, the I just got an email the other day saying that they were canceling it, which, you know, makes sense, The you know what's crazy is Sedona Mountain Bike Festival is right at the beginning of March. And at the time, Diamondback sent out an email. And the pandemic, like, hadn't truly reached the United States yet. Right. And they said, hey, uh, if any of you guys don't want to come, like, it's totally cool. Just let us know. And, you know, we'll cancel the flights and everything. And we were all like, no, we're coming. We're not missing Sedona Mountain yeah. Bike Festival. And then when I was there, I must have shook hands and posed for pictures with I don't know how many people. Right. And then went into an airport again, layovers, and got home without COVID. And looking back on it, it's it's insane to think. Now yeah. you wouldn't even consider doing all that. Yeah, no, it's definitely, um, I mean, I, I did the same thing, you know, went there and hung out with a bunch of people. And I mean, I was one of the people we probably took a picture with, <laughs> you know what I mean? And, and uh, it definitely was, you know, it hadn't set in to like, Oh, this is what's going to be going on. And it was just right after that, whenever we got locked down and, you know, next thing you know, we're not going, uh, those of us that, that have a job other than YouTube, like not going to work. And it was kind of stressful, man. I can say like, you start wondering, like, am I going to be able to pay my bills? And you know, yeah, definitely, definitely. Um, here we are a year later. I was making all kinds of jokes last night because our power was out. I was like, welcome to 2021. You thought 2020 was bad. <laughs> yeah, it's not over yet. It's not like the year changes and, you know, it's magic. We, we're still, we still have a little bit of 2020 lingering right. around, but uh, it's getting better. I got my surgery on Friday and I'm like a thousand percent better now. Like oh, wow, in terms of improvements, like every single day I wake up and I'm better than the last day. Whereas before I was pretty much the same every day. I was just forcing myself to do more things. Uh-huh. Just thinking that like, oh, I just got to get through the pain kind of thing. Yeah, so pretty much. Let's back up, man. So what happened? What was the deal? Like you're because because first of all, every time I watch your channel, I'm like, this dude does not learn his lesson every time he gets injured. <laughs> I think I learned my lesson this time. I mean, I don't know what lesson I learned, but maybe I learned <laughs> something. I mean, I've gotten away scot-free so many times. And then I just, I wasn't trying anything crazy. I was just, you know, fooling around. And I put my foot down and I hit the ground. And I'm like, oh, that there was something not right about that. I looked down, foot's pointing in a different direction. They carried me out of there. They so you were like hospital. a hospital. A pump track or a regular ride or where were you at? I don't want to say where I was oh, I because okay. it was at somebody's house and, it, oh, I see. you know, yeah, yeah. I don't want to, you know, but yeah, I was at somebody's house and um, we were, we had been filming, but then later on we weren't, we were just messing around mm -hmm. and no good. I wasn't, you know how you don't feel dialed sometimes mm -hmm. and then you just don't ride. Yeah. That's, yeah. that's what I keep not learning. Uh huh. And I continue to not learn over and over again. Is if you're just in one, if you're in a funk and it's like uh, every time I get on my bike, I feel like a terrible rider today. 
I always try to break out of it by like, oh, I just landed a 360. Okay, I'm back. Yeah, you know, yeah. but really you should stop. Yeah. You should just stop. Or or yeah. but I every time that's what I happens. I feel like it it's and this is a crappy way to say it, but I really feel like it's a big injury that actually makes you start listening to that inside voice. Cause I was yeah. the same way, man. I, I like, I got to a point, I mean, I've been riding since like the nineties. Right. You know? So I got to a point where like, I never got injured like bad. Right. You know? And so I would always tell myself like, Oh, well, I know how to fall or I, I don't push myself outside of, of, you know, where I'm actually, where my skill set is. And, you know, basically it was a, just a bunch of BS to make myself feel good. Right. Until one time I get a, you know, I, I had a fall where I I'd separated my shoulder so bad that it took like six months until I could ride my bike again. And that really, yeah, I had a separated shoulder and it was the same thing, it, but, but I didn't learn. Yeah. Did you learn something from yours? I feel like I did, but this is the thing. The more time that goes from that happening, the less that that like memory of what I learned is there. You, you know what I mean? I'm starting. Yeah. I, I noticed I was thinking about just the other day. I was like, I'm starting to ride again where I'm not considering getting hurt as much, you know, and maybe it's too like some of it, I think, has to do with like now I wear pads. You know, I never wore pads before. And now I, if I'm going on something super gnarly, I'll, I'll throw on a full face. And, and, uh, and maybe some of that is adding to it as well, but it's definitely. I have increased the, the protection gear. Yeah. But Porter told me about these ankle braces that he uses when he's dirt jumping. Uh -huh. Like you'd never want to pedal a, a single track with ankle braces. Right. But, you know, if you're dirt jumping or just messing around on features, these ankle braces, and I'm definitely going to be doing that moving forwards. I mean, mm -hmm. you look down, your ankles point in a different direction. It's, yeah, that'll it's, throw uh, you for a little. Yeah. So you were yeah, doing something you where you're place. like spinning. So whenever you landed, it, it twisted your leg. Is that what happened? Yeah, I was just busting a 360 off a little uh -huh. kind of fly out. And uh -huh. that's something I've done a million times. And 360s are also one of those tricks that it's so easy to bail because yeah. you're spinning. So you just step off the bike and the bike separates from way. you. Yeah, and now yeah. you don't get tangled up in the bike. Everything's cool. But I, I landed just wrong and the, the ground was uneven. Mm -hmm. And yeah, and it, it ended up being a way more complicated injury than it should have been. You know, so originally that they just put me back together and they're like, cool. Yeah. In this many weeks, you full weight bearing and then you'll get better. And then uh -huh. it just, it was just thing after thing after thing. So then at that point you're like, okay, you spend your like week or whatever it is in bed and you're like, okay, I'm supposed to be getting better. And then it's just not. I'll tell you what happened. So they did the surgery. They did it great too. Everybody that's seen the x-rays, like that guy did a great job mm -hmm. and he gave me what's called a nerve block. So mm -hmm. they go in behind your knee and they give you a shot directly into the nerve. Yeah. And then your leg goes numb from the knee down to the foot. And they do it right after surgery because the surgical pain is at, you know, the highest level at that point. Right, right. And so they send you home with the nerve lock and it wears out the next day. And then you, you, you uh, eat narcotics for a few days until, <laughs> yeah, yeah. you know, everything is yeah, back yeah. to normal. So I'm in bed, it's 12 the next day and the nerve block starts wearing off and I start uh -huh. feeling some of the pain. And then it starts coming on stronger and stronger and stronger. And it gets like 
okay, this is not my first rodeo. Like I've been hurt right. before. Yeah, yeah. I know how bad it's supposed to hurt and like I'm okay with it. Mm-hmm. Most of the time I get hurt and you can't even stop me from going out and doing things. I was just incapacitated. It was, it was the worst pain I've ever experienced in my life um, without even a close second place. And uh, by about five, um, like we got to go back to the hospital. Because oh, yeah. you call like, something's not right here. Yeah, and when you call the hospital, you can't even get the physician's assistant. You get some, you get a nurse that wasn't yeah. involved with the, the injury, and they're just like, "Well, it's supposed to hurt." And it's like, "No, you don't understand. Like, I get hurt all the time. It's not. There's something's wrong." <laughs> yeah. And yeah. so, long story short, I went to the emergency room. I was there for twelve hours. They finally got me in to see a doctor, and then uh, they ended up admitting me for two days. And what happened was, I had. The nerve block. When they did the nerve block, uh-huh. they hit some nerves that they shouldn't have, or they they messed oh, they messed up somehow. I got all sorts yeah. of. So anyway, <clears throat> they ended up messing up the nerve and causing extreme extreme neuropathy uh-huh. um, neuropathy. down in my toes. And I knew something was wrong because they operated on my leg, and all the pain was in the tips of my toes. Uh-huh. And um, that's indicative of neuropathy because nerves work in strange mysterious ways you hurt something over here and it hurts over there okay so that's what so it's just pure pain like pure pain oh that's beautiful with with no (laughs) adulterance just pure pain concentrated pain and i was i was just suffering for day after day after day just suffering and then and when i would see the doctor they're just like yeah, wait a little while, it'll go away. Usually the nerves go to sleep after a while. Finally, I got what's called a concierge doctor. Mm-hmm. And a concierge doctor is, um, it's a primary doctor, but they have fewer patients. Mm-hmm. And so you get accepted to their practice, you pay a fee, and then you're part of a smaller patient load. So they can actually spend time managing your care and making recommendations. You're not you're not just through you know their system like clockwork. Yeah, and yeah. so- this guy was amazing. He got me in for a nerve conduction study. He referred me to a neurologist. I mean, it was uh, all of a sudden I was going to all these different specialists to try and figure out what was going on. Mm-hmm. I had the nerve conduction study, which was torture. They li- mm-hmm. they literally like um, they put an electrode in this part of your body, and they put the other electrode here, and then they're like, "Okay, there's going to be a little zap," and then they. <laughs> Click, and then you're, and then you're like, ah! and then like, okay, that reading was good. Okay, we're gonna do another one. Okay, now we're gonna do the other leg. And uh, I don't know how I got through it, but um, yeah, they looked at that and they were able to figure out a few things. And they started giving me these lumbar sympathetic nerve blocks, so additional nerve blocks. Uh-huh. They they literally stick in. You're laying face down on a table, and they stick this needle into your spinal cord. It's in there for like a couple of minutes and they're doing all sorts of stuff. Oh, I got God. three of those and. Dude, you gotta be thinking so at, was, this, at this point, you gotta be thinking like, what the hell is happening with my life right now? Like, like, is oh this God, really yeah, like. Life changing experience. Yeah. Yeah. Life changing experience. So, so they're doing all that and um, the pain's not really getting all that much better. It's getting some of the pains getting better, but I'm still having pain somewhere else. And I've showed videos and pictures and stuff of how my big toe is curled up like that. Yeah. Yeah. And so every, so I was trying to push through it and go to physical therapy and do all this stuff and just accept the pain. And every time I was taking a step, 
that toe is pulling on the tendon. Mm -hmm. And so the tendon was getting inflamed and then my heel was getting inflamed and it was, it was literally getting worse. The toe was curling up more and more. And I mean, oh, wow. we tried everything. And um, finally, I saw a few different doctors about that, got a whole bunch of different recommendations of what we could do. Some of the recommendations were really invasive. Some of them didn't have a guarantee of working. Then I saw a really good foot and ankle specialist here, and he said, you need a tenotomy. We go in there and we cut the tendon that makes your toe bend like that. And then you can never make your toe bend like that again, but it goes back to normal. And it's apparently a really routine procedure and a lot of people get it and they don't miss being able to pick up pencils with their toe, I guess. Yeah. So my toe can still go like this, but it can't go like this. Okay. So it and still so, works as far as balancing you. It just doesn't work. Yeah. I can as still far as like walk on it all. Or I will be able to, to walk on it once right. the pain goes away. Yeah. But anyway, um, so <laughs> got all these second, third, fourth opinions, everything finally said, okay, I'm going to lose the ability to like sign my signature with my right foot. Right. Went in, got the tenotomy on Friday. It literally after the surgery, right after the surgery, my foot already felt better than it did. Yeah. It was like, it just released the toes. Now they point straight again. Now it looks like a normal foot. Right. And every day I've been making massive improvements. Whereas before I'm like, am I getting better? I, I got on a bike today. That must mean I'm getting better. Yeah. It yeah. Hurt like crazy. I was just forcing myself to do more stuff. I wasn't really right. getting better. Right. And so now I really am getting better. That's and, good. Yeah, uh, I'm really happy for yeah. you, man. But, I, I, man. You, you had brought that video out that had you on the dirt jump or the, the gravel bike. And I, I hadn't watched it. And one of my friends was like, yeah, man, Seth, like, rode that bike and he has to get surgery again. I was like, Oh God, what happened now? Like I was like <laughs> kind of stressing for you until I watched it. I was like, okay, I see what's going on. Like, it's good to hear that you're, yeah. you're on the men, dude. That's tough, man. That's super tough. Yeah. Like I, I would imagine, I mean, you've been riding as long as I have, like riding bike is kind of like your therapist, right? You know? So yeah. When, when you can't do that anymore, I know me personally, even the last few days it's been raining here. I haven't been able to ride. I'm like already starting to go crazy, you know? So I mean, here point, it rains every day. Yeah. <laughs> just, <laughs> you're not riding in the rain. You're not riding, but yeah, but um, yeah, you're right. My, the whole thing that was my life, I couldn't do anymore. Mm -hmm. Um, it is fun to watch friends ride. I was watching more of my friends videos at yeah. the time. I don't get, I don't get jealous that people can ride and I can't. I'm more yeah. like, I would be pissed if they didn't take the opportunity to ride when they do. Uh -huh. But um, I did have to find something to fill the void. And for me, it was was the RC cars. Yeah. Because um, you get to pick lines. You get to be kind of out in the woods. You get to climb stuff. You get to control something. Mm -hmm. And then you get and then you get to break and fix it. Yeah. Yeah, totally. And so, yeah, it, it ended up working for me and being you, something that's fun. Did you have a moment where you thought, like, I might not be able to ride bike again? No. No. So that wasn't no. that what that kind of fear didn't set in. So it was definitely that wasn't like, on the table. Yeah, yeah, okay. Well, um, yeah, that wasn't on the table. It's a matter of what I was going to have to go through. But I did have a doctor tell me that I'm going to be living with this nerve pain for a whole year. Mm -hmm. And now that I had the tenotomy, so much of that muscular pain is gone. Mm -hmm. 
-hmm. that it turns out that neuropathy has really subsided a pretty good amount. And I think it was probably from those big freaking needles in my spinal cord. (laughs) 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 And so when I'm better this time, but, but like, because I've been injured since October and because it's been debilitating, yeah, my calf has shrunk like inches. Yeah, yeah. Like I used to be like before this happened, I was like a beast. Like I could pick up the plate tamp and squat it into the back of the gator. Yeah. And you a, a five foot tall a five foot tall uh New York Jew is not supposed to be able to do that. Right. But I was but, you were like monkey mode. strong. Yeah. Yeah. I was like, <laughs> I, no, no way I'll be able to do that now. And who knows how long before I'll be yeah. you know, in the condition I was. Who knows how much bone density I've lost and all this stuff. And so it's going to be a long road to recovery, but I've learned to appreciate things. And I've learned to also not care about things that are yeah. not a big deal. Yeah. Because yeah, something yeah. happened that was a really, really big deal. And I guess nothing really you know yeah it was a rough year yeah i think it was a crappy year for everyone and then i lost drama and then this thing happened and Mm -hmm. you get to the point where it's like some kid left a stupid comment and it's like i don't care yeah you know like i stopped i really grew from the experience i stopped caring about little things that don't matter yeah that's a good thing man it's you know it's one of those double-edged swords though too i have that personality where I don't know what it was that I went through in my life, but somewhere I came to that a lot in a lot younger, you know? Yeah. And um, like, it's one of those things that like my lady says about me where she's, she says, you know, on one hand, it's really cool that you just let stuff go. You don't really get angry about it. But on the other hand, sometimes I want you to be angry about something and you don't, <laughs> you know? <laughs> so, But I think at the end of the day, it's just uh I don't know. I, I, I came to a realization that there's some things that I totally can't control and it is a complete waste of time to be like concerned about it. Oh you yeah. Know? So, Oh yeah. Yeah. It doesn't help matters at all. It doesn't, yeah. Yeah. it doesn't bring anything to the table. And, uh, you know, well, and I, I would think, say that, yeah, that you probably have, you have a little bit of a short temper too, right? Cause I can see it I do have, I have a really short fuse. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So like, <laughs> I'm sure I'm this, 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 uh, this revelation is probably big for you. <laughs> I want things to work and I work so hard to make things work. And when they don't go my way, I just like, yeah, I just want to throw something <laughs> and, uh, <laughs> yeah, I was, I'm not proud I was, of it, but I do, I do have a short yeah. fuse. It happens, man. Everybody has their things, you know. I was watching uh, the video that um, you did about 2020 or something like that, just when I was trying to get the thumbnail together for this. And you were, like, trying to screw something in. And the, the I hate Phillips screwdrivers so much. <laughs> it was just, it cracked me up. But <laughs> it, like, it made me think of that whenever you said it a second ago. So, um so anyways, so you, you said that you got into the RC car thing to like pass your time and whatever. And, and I totally understand everything that you said in that conversation, but man, you've caught some flack about that on the, uh, the internet, huh? You know, not as much as you would think. I think most people, most people understand like uh-huh. he, can't, he can't ride a bike. He can't right. get from place to place. Like he used. I can't even hike around film somebody else on a bike. So like my ability to produce content, I've been injured tons of times and every time the content doesn't stop when it was the wrist, when it was 
when it was, I don't even remember what I broke. I, uh, the collarbone. <laughs> yeah. All the different, all the, different I, the content didn't stop. I'm always obsessive about, I have to get it out. I have to get it yeah. out. But this was the first time where I was completely debilitated, broken. There were times where I tried to film and I'd be talking mm -hmm. to the camera and I, I couldn't make jokes. I couldn't be yeah. fluid. I couldn't come up with a script because I was just miserable and I was in so much pain. And like I, I didn't, I didn't even know pain like that existed. And yeah. I would pull it together for a few minutes to do an intro or 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 do an Instagram story or whatever. And um, I needed to do something. And mm -hmm. so anybody who's giving me flack about the RC cars, mm -hmm. um, I don't it care about them. Yeah, yeah, I really yeah. don't care about them because why should I care about a person? who give that little sympathy that thinks that I'm just a content machine for their enjoyment. <laughs> you know, yeah, I'm yeah. trying to create content. For my, but like, those are not my, my, those are not my people, right? Yeah, yeah. Like I have awesome, awesome people in my audience. I love my audience. Anybody with that attitude, like you're not my people. Yeah. yeah. And, and also I've been putting the RC content on Burn Peak Express. That channel was made everybody knows you're going to get something different on there. Yeah, yeah. Kind of the same, but, you, but you're, <laughs> you know, if you're pissed off about something that I put on that channel, like, oh, content's going downhill, then like, all right, don't watch it. Wait for a video to come out on burn peak. It'll be yeah. something, you know, more like what we normally do. hundred percent. So, so when you started yeah. that, it was just a way I, I, well, I want to understand, like it was just a way to do different content or like in your mind, were you thinking so hey, here's my a theory that I can do anything? Yeah. Maybe well, okay. So my wider is, if I, I was actually just worried about doing a video where I wasn't doing a voiceover, like mm -hmm. a, a video that had that deviated from my normal ones, even slightly, I was right. afraid to put on my main channel because it would like, tarnish my library of videos or people will get upset that it's coming in their subscription feed. And I didn't want, I didn't want to risk that. I also had hired Curtis and I was training him, you know, to produce the way I want. Mm -hmm. And I wasn't ready to put that stuff on the main channel. And so Burn Peak Express was sort of an experimental place where we could throw stuff at the wall and see what sticks. And it turned out that it was, it was successful. There's a subset of my audience that does want to see a variety of stuff. Um, and I knew that because I get comments all the time. Like, I don't even mountain bike and I like this stuff. So I'm like, okay, well, that person will probably watch anything I make yeah, as long as it's to... made with the same quality and, and yeah. effort. I used to joke with my buddies that I'd watch you install a toilet. If you put a video up, I'm like, just cause <laughs> like your storytelling is really good, you know? So it, I, think I appreciate you saying that. Yeah. I mean, and that was the thing that I was really surprised whenever, you know, it kind of, whenever you told people that, that you had this other guy, you know, editing for you. Cause I, I was really surprised because to me, I, I didn't notice a difference, you know? So that was, that was pretty impressive as well. Kudos to him. You should tell him that. Uh, He's really good. And, yeah. and to be clear, almost never the, the videos that go on Berm peak, the main channel, mm -hmm. I still produce those. Mm -hmm. I, I do not want to relinquish, um, Creative production duties. There. Yeah. It's not even the creative control. It's that I love producing. Uh -huh. I love producing content. I love the using the cameras. I love editing, assembling the story. If two different people edit the same bunch of footage, mm -hmm. it'd be completely unrecognizable 
yeah, when you add it to that level, when you're chopping yeah. things up as much as we do. And um, it would be like if you gave two different artists a canvas and a paintbrush, it's like, oh, well, they have the same color paints. It should be the same thing. <laughs> no, they're, yeah. they're going to put the stuff in that canvas in a different way. And uh -huh. so I still edit on Burn Peak. And then the stuff on Burn Peak Express is always Curtis, almost always Curtis. And, and um, he, I like it that way and he likes it that way because a couple of times he, he edited stuff on Burn Peak. It was great videos. People liked it. Mm -hmm. But he would take it so personally when somebody wouldn't like it or the video wouldn't perform well. Oh, yeah. And it's just less stressful for it to go on yeah. Burn Peak Express for him. Uh -huh. It's not as much pressure and he can have more fun with the edit. Uh -huh. And the fact that he takes so much pride in his work is why yeah. he's working for me. Yeah, that's awesome. So, How do you find somebody like that? Yeah. Um, through luck, it was almost like the idea to do Burn Peak Express didn't come to me first. The opportunity to hire Curtis came to me first, mm -hmm. you know, through friends and stuff. And so I brought him in for an interview and for months and months, he was just helping me use the camera. Yeah. He was, um, organizing footage for me. It took probably six months before anything that he produced made its way to YouTube because mm -hmm. there's a certain standard and there's certain habits that we had to break and and i could yeah. tell that he was passionate and i could tell that he was very skilled and he had a good eye mm -hmm. and we have the same sense of humor like he he gets it yeah and yeah. you can't just hire any old editor if you care about quality and you care about what you're putting out to your audience and he yeah. i could tell from the start he was the guy but it was going to take a little bit of work you know to, yeah, to yeah, totally. for him to learn the ways of the channel you know right Right for you to in, in indoctrinate him into the way of thinking like Seth, basically. <laughs> well, well, somewhat, and a, a lot of it's him. A lot of it's like yeah. finding the things that he's good at and tailoring videos to uh, capitalize on his strengths. Yeah, yeah. And I mean, I love when he's doing an edit. I'll come around and see how he's gotten so far, and I'll give him notes and stuff like that. I'm still the kind of the one in charge of the edit, but yeah. Um, I it's. I get an experience that I don't get when I edit my own videos because like, I don't laugh when I watch my own videos. Like I'm the person who made the joke. I'm the person who edited in there. I watched over it a hundred times, yeah. but when he edits the video, now I'm sitting there laughing out loud and enjoying my content in a, from, you know, from the third person perspective. Yeah. That's gotta be a little different, huh? It's way different. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, it's cool. yeah. Yeah. I recently did a collaboration with, uh, Colorado kid, he did this like uh, Reno nine one one Starship Troopers kind of of episode, and uh, it was really fun. Just to, I, more than anything, I held the camera and just like gave some ideas on how a scene should go or whatever. But afterwards, to watch it, you know, it was something that was highly produced that I wasn't producing, and and it was definitely enjoyable to be on a different perspective of it. So I can I'm hundred percent re relate with what because you're saying you were there when all the cameras were there, and you were there yeah. when everything was happening, and then when you see it get produced, yeah, like, you didn't know what to expect, right? It was fun. It was really fun for me because, I mean, you know, as a creator, most of the time when that process is happening, you're the person that's creating it. You're the person right. that's doing the edit. You're doing all those things. So to have that anticipation of like, how is this gonna come out? What is what is it gonna be like? And like, 
you said to laugh at the jokes or whatever that that was really fun that was something that was really enjoyable to be in, in that perspective of it so you never get to watch your own videos from the per like uh, i try to envision what my audience feels yeah. like when i'm editing yeah. when i'm editing i'm always putting myself in the in the shoes of someone who doesn't know what's going on so i have to right. make the video clear i have to you know not assume that they know certain things i'm always thinking from the perspective and from of an audience member mm -hmm. but i can't truly see things from the perspective of an audience member i'm just guessing yeah and so it is cool to see that yeah i think know? the only way that you get close to that is watching a video that you did like a year ago and yeah because then then that's the one time that you can really like remove yourself from everything and you're oh i should have cut there oh i should have put a b-roll in there oh that was funny you, you know th those kind of things yeah in your mind but in the moment you're it's still something that you did so you're of course you like it you, you know what i mean you're 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 gonna see it from the viewpoint of this is me i enjoy it it's my life you know i'm right we make that. videos we want right. to watch right but um I think that's one of the thing that things that's really hard for people when they start is to be that critical on yourself. A hundred percent because you know, I'll get, e I get emails all the time from people and they're like, Hey, my buddy and I just made this video. Can you share it? And I'm like, first of all, if I just shared this stuff all the time, people would stop listening to me when I share something. Yeah. yeah. Um, but oftentimes, I should just be polite. I should just be polite and just say, Hey, you know, sorry. I, you know, that's just it's my policy. I don't do that, but yeah. I'll watch the video and then I'll not so much lace into them, but be like, dude, if you're going to send something to me, you get one shot. Yeah. You get one shot. Don't send me an unedited GoPro video of you <laughs> riding some trail in, in burnt out sunlight and, yeah. and with smudges on the lens. Like, yeah. put some effort into it. Like, yeah. unless you put in as much effort as I do, why would I share it? Why would I give that, yeah. make my audience watch that? Yeah. You know, I value their time too much to do that. But they don't, but they don't know because w when you're in the moment, and you're having an experience and you're laughing and oh that was so funny that was so great that day was awesome people mistakenly think that the footage is going to reflect that yeah that that's going to come through in the footage but it doesn't and so you have to separate yourself from it and emotionally chop away at it yeah and put yourself in the shoes of an audience member yeah it's tough to do and then other times too like uh, lately I've been doing this weight loss thing and I'm just being completely inside voice, honest with the camera. And so many people are telling me, Oh, you're, you're beating yourself up too much. You need to like, let, let go a little bit. And, and I don't know how to respond to it because in my eyes, it's, it's like, I'm just trying to tell you guys exactly what I'm thinking. Like, it, well, those, those are your people. They care about you. Yeah. You know? yeah. Yeah, it's tough. It, it's definitely tough because because I feel like when people are telling me like in that perspective that um, I'm being too hard on myself, I I just feel like that's how I live my life though. You, you know, like 
That's uh well that's how you lost the weight was being hard on yourself. <laughs> right. <laughs> if you were exactly. easy on yourself, you would have said, ah, I'm gonna go to Arby's or something. Yeah, it would be much more or fun. Or whatever there. you guys have in California. What it what is it? Whataburger or I, don't, oh, I can't that, remember. Texas. We have uh in and out out here. I think that's the one that everybody gets all excited about. So when I was in California, they took me to In and Out Burger and they're like, This is the best, you're not gonna believe it, animal style, like all this stuff. And it was just a fast food burger. I didn't think yeah. it was. I'm, yeah. I'm from PA originally, so I got the same treatment <laughs> when I came out here. And honestly, I, I, oh man, I'm probably gonna piss some people off, but I really, I don't think it's that good. I do like Whataburger. When I go to Texas, I do like Whataburger. I, I will. Texas say. got the food thing on. <laughs> yeah, they got the, <laughs> Austin in the whole Austin metro area. The the food is just out of this world like it's not you can find good food in any city go to any city in the world and yeah. there's good food if Definitely. you know where to find it even small right. cities even small towns there's there's right. good food everywhere um but in austin th this place has good food the place right next to it has good food there's such a high yeah. concentration of good food um it's it's insane more so than almost any other city probably any other city i've been to yeah, when I was down Austin with uh, in Austin with no front brakes, we unfortunately didn't go around town and eat a bunch. So I'm gonna have to do that next time I get down there. They have a good. No, you gotta stick to your being hard on yourself. Oh yeah, no, but I'm close, man. I'm really close, honestly. I mean, at this point, yeah, I'm like, there. like I said earlier, I'm down 53 pounds. the The original plan was God. 80, and that's like uh, an entire Ewok. Yeah, right. This is the thing. It's not the first time that I've lost a bunch of weight in my life. And I think that's part of the reason why I, I put the weight on the way that I do is in the past, I've lost like 50 pounds before. So it was like, oh, I know what I need to do. This is like how you diet. This is how you work out. This is what you do. And as long as you keep doing those things, you can stay at that weight. And I think, honestly, we were talking about the injury earlier. The shoulder injury was what start what got me off of off of where I was last time. Exactly, when I was, it was like six months. I couldn't ride bike. I couldn't work out. It's really easy to be like, "Woe is me!" and drink a bunch of beer and have a good time and like, "Hey, I can't feel good from riding bikes, so I'm gonna feel good eating this pizza and these wings," you know. And, and um, who knows? Maybe maybe my mom dropped me on my head too many times when I was a kid, and there's some other reason that I'm eating too much. But whatever. No, that's normal. You know? Something breaks your yeah. Something breaks your routine. Yeah. You get on that routine, and you get you're disciplined, and you're. But it takes everything you have to stay on that routine. And so when yeah. you get knocked down to the ground, that's that's when you have to be the strongest and yeah. like sometimes it's too much to, to bear. And it's a slow know? progression. I mean, it's not like I went from 220 to 300 pounds, like overnight. It was, it took like 10 years to do that, you know, 10 years of, of slowly being more and more lazy and not caring and like accepting who, where I was. And older. Yeah. Right. Whatever it was, you know? And, um, but here I am. So I, I, I know I'll, I'll hit my goal. I, I'm not, I'm confident in that. But the thing that like upsets people that I say is I can't wait to hit my goal weight because then I can start working on getting fat again. Yeah. <laughs> and well, that's, that's like, what you do in the past, and I, so, but it's it's yeah. that joke you make to yourself, you know. Yeah. 
I know it'll eventually happen. Like I, there will be some, no, it's, it's my life, man. I just, I, I have that all or nothing personality and I mean, and, and maybe it's even not even all or nothing. It's all or all. So I'm all into being skinny and fit or I'm all into being lazy and fat, but like, it, it doesn't matter. Like I'm, I'm not often to hang out with Eric and <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, now being on YouTube, and discussing it there, now your audience can hold you accountable. You know that yeah. you're letting them down if you don't do it. And that's that might be something that you didn't have working for you before. You know, honestly, Seth, it kind of goes back to what we were talking about earlier when I said that I let a lot of stuff go. And I really, <laughs> I, I care about what my audience thinks, but it wouldn't change my personality. So <laughs> like, of, like if I want to get fat tomorrow, I'd be like, well, screw it they're going to see me get fat. You know, like, it's just, I don't know. I, I have, it definitely has to come with, from within who I am, what I'm doing. And, and I, I appreciate that about myself, you know, and, and um, it is what it is there, but it's been a journey. It's definitely been interesting and crazy to see people motivated by your actions. You know, when you start a mountain bike YouTube channel I, I'm sure you, you, I mean, you have like 3 million followers. You, you know exactly what I'm saying, but you start a mountain bike YouTube channel. You don't think that you're inspiring people's lives. No, you don't even think anybody's going to watch it. <laughs> right. You know, so for people to tell you, Hey man, this really changed my, I, I bumped in. I was in, where was I? I want to say I, I was, I was not anywhere close to home. I was on some trail and, and, rode by this guy, this old dude and his son that were hiking and uh, just rode by. And we stopped at like an intersection, maybe a hundred yards in front of him. And we're talking about what we're doing on our ride. And the old guy walks up and he's like, Hey, do you have a YouTube channel? I'm like, Oh yeah, I do. And start chatting with him. He's like, my son watches your channel. He was just telling me that, that it's you and you like got him to lose weight. And I look over at his son and his son's like, yeah, man, I lost 50 pounds or something like that. Oh man, because, he's because, beast mode. Yeah, and he's like, you know, because you you motivated me or whatever and and uh that's like what? You know, like it's just really hard to wrap your head around that you're impacting people's lives like that. So, that's been fun. It's definitely It feels you know, awesome, right? Yeah, yeah, no, it definitely feels good. Cuz it I, motivates I, you to keep doing it. Yeah, I mean, cuz I think in life like you want to be like remembered or like you want to have impact on things. Yeah. You want to leave your mark on the world. Yeah. And, and I think that um, it, it's definitely interesting to, to see it, you know, in your lifetime. Like sometimes you don't see that in, like you don't get to see that impact. Like you, you grow old and you die and then other people in your family are like, that's where, where it comes out, you know, and to yeah. be able to see it in real time, like we are, that's really cool. You know, that's, yeah. uh, that, that's, that's something, that's something special. You know? so. Um, I, you know, back when my channel was a lot smaller, mm -hmm. when I say smaller, that's probably 300,000 subscribers or something like that. Mm -hmm. I would do patron rides. So on Patreon, I'd meet up with a bunch of patrons and we'd go for a ride. Mm -hmm. And I, I had to stop doing it because now, um, you know, because I am who I am, I could get like fined by the forest service for not having a license or take out a permit yeah. to take people out. They could accuse me yeah. of guiding or something. So 
and and, and also um, there's just there's the liability aspect of it. Yeah. But anyway, it's a shame I can't do it anymore. But I really enjoyed those rides. And on one of them, this guy came up from Atlanta, and he was stoked to ride. And he was, you know he was a little overweight, and mm -hmm. but he was really he had a lot of heart. He's just mm -hmm. really trying to get through the the trails, but he had never ridden trails with that big of climbs. And when I say big climb, not a very, you know, 400 foot of yeah, elevation yeah. gain, yeah. you know, um, and we kept going more and more trails with those types of gains. And, you know, he would just be dead and he's hiking the bike up the hill and everything. But he went on every one of them. He didn't, he kept going to yeah. the end of the day on all those rides, just pushing his bike up the hill, getting to the top. And he was so proud of himself that he did it. And then I saw him again a year later mm -hmm. and he had lost tons of weight. He had a new bike. He was like, right. you know, he just murdered those climbs like they were nothing. Yeah. And that was probably almost like three and a half years ago at this point. Uh -huh. Now he's a beast. He's a complete beast. <laughs> and, and it turns out he's a really successful guy. Yeah. And so when I said I was going to build Burn Park, uh -huh. he, he's like, he's like, I'm in for 25,000. Oh, sweet. So he's personally funding an entire beginner trail. And we thought the beginner trail would make sense because, you know, that was, that's where he came from. You know, it's a yeah. story. And yeah. now he's going to usher in the next, you know, the, the next generation of, uh, of just, you know, confident mountain bikers. That's and so, so we're going to build this, we're going to build this trail um, with that money and we're going to make it really special. It's not going to be a lame beginner trail to me, yeah. a cool beginner trail. And, uh, it's going to be a really cool story to tell on the channel as we build the park. That's not, that sounds that that's that's really cool. First of all, that's that's awesome, and it sounds like a lot of fun. Uh, it reminds me of something I wanted to talk to you anyway. Um, when you started your channel, you were down in like this condo in in Florida, and then you moved to the other house, and now where you're at, you. But at the other house, you started kind of building some stuff. Did you always have this like trail builder in you, or was it something that you found when you came up north? Well, given the opportunity to build something, I'll build it. When I was in Florida, I had a deck in my backyard, and there wasn't that much stuff I could build, right? Um, because there was no space for it, and so I tinkered with my bike, that was my outlet. When I was a kid, I had a big backyard and I did build jumps and stuff like that. Mm -hmm. And I'd go out in the woods and dig jumps and then the town would plow them. You mm -hmm. know how it goes. Yeah. But, yeah. uh, and I would build ramps because mm -hmm. I was into BMX. I built so many ramps. I can't believe my mom let me have this quarter pipe in the front yard, <laughs> uh, in the, in the driveway, this yeah. giant quarter pipe. I didn't know anything about radiuses. We just tried to get it right. Yeah. And yeah, we were constantly building stuff and, and, um, I like building stuff as much as yeah. I like riding stuff. It's I can you get to build it and then you get to, to have fun on it and then make yeah. it better. I um I've done trail work days in the past, and uh, they're fun. They're fulfilling. I I like get my hands dirty. It's definitely enjoyable. But recently, I started on this project where we're building this trail, and um, we're like making the decisions and whatnot, and it is lit like a different kind of fire with me and like i i can imagine that the process that you're going through with the uh the bike park it just oh my god yeah oh, now that stuff is happening oh my god 
I mean, me and Peter and I are texting all the time, and uh, he's stoked. His guys are stoked. Um, and I'm just on the computer all day, just going back and forth with potential sponsors and like trying to get stuff. Like, we need stone, like, screw wood benches. I want to build them out of stone. Let me see if I can find yeah, somebody yeah. to supply that. Let me, you know, let's make screw, you know, uh, two wooden features on this trail. Let's see if we can get some more money and build another yeah. one. Like, I want to. I want it to be sick and, and you're right. I'm getting like totally obsessive about it and enjoying it my, my but, assumption uh, because it's would, finally happening. My assumption would be that your personality sets similar to mine. I think a lot of people that do YouTube is you, you have to be a pretty driven person. So like, I know for me when something really captures my attention, it's difficult for me to give anything else attention. So are you finding that? Oh, yeah. like, like you just want to like, if, if you, if your brain, if you're, if fate let you do whatever you wanted to do, you'd probably like stop doing your other channel and like just work on this. Or yeah, no, no. You see what I'm saying? So I have, I've always had pretty bad attention deficit disorder. Uh, I stopped <laughs> treating it a long time ago. Yeah. But um, I've learned, I've learned through my past businesses and and jobs and careers and things to mm -hmm. to stay organized. Mm -hmm. And so I live by the calendar. I live by taking notes and lists, I'm making lists all day. I have to force myself to stay organized or I will start a bunch of projects and not finish any of them. Yeah. And uh, usually when I start talking about something, I end up doing it mm -hmm. really soon afterwards. Like, yeah. Oh, oh yeah, I'm gonna move to North Carolina. Oh, I'm gonna build, a, I, wanna, I wanna own a mountain. Yeah. I wanna build trails on a mountain. <laughs> I, wanna, I wanna build a bike park. And yeah. they end up happening and I don't, you can't do it without staying organized. You can't do it without making lists and keeping a calendar and setting aside time for certain things because there's just not enough hours in a day. Mm -hmm. um, and you, you have to stop listening to all the other little voices in your head um, and just stick to the plan. Mm -hmm. You think that's the secret so, to your success is your organization or do you think it's your drive? What, what do you think it is? Luck. I don't know. Yeah. I don't I don't I don't see why anybody else can't do what I do. Yeah. I think I yeah, I am organized. Um I mean it's hard for me to compliment myself. I would yeah, say I that I'm a good communicator. I'm mm -hmm. really good at formulating emails and, and making things happen. Mm -hmm. And um I have the ability to I have the ability to manage projects. Mm -hmm. That's one thing I get it from my dad. I have the ability to manage projects and in mm -hmm. all my jobs I've managed projects. And so I can take something that needs to be done and break it down into something that seems less daunting, mm -hmm. you know, with all those lists and organization. And I think that's been how I've been able to sort of build, build the channel and be so consistent with the video schedule until this crap happened. I, yeah. I finally decided I have to just, I have to just take my, take care of myself and heal. And then I'll go back to being a madman. But, mm -hmm. um, I think a lot of it's due to just being good at managing projects. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I mean, th that's definitely a, a, a good trait to have, you know? So do you think that, um, this project is, are, are you consider yourself done with your backyard at this point or is there oh, not even close not even close so oh, we're not we haven't even scratched the surface so i had a uh 
I had a, a surveying company come in and do a elevation survey, mm-hmm. a topographic map down to oh, like cool. six inches. So oh, it's like, great. I have this really high resolution topographic map of the yard. Uh-huh. And I was going to keep this all secret. I'll, I'll just tell you, I, I, I'll, it'll be in a video. No, I'm not showing any of the footage or anything, but yeah. while I was laying there in bed, all messed up, Kevin was, has been doing professional trail building now for like a year. Uh-huh. He's learned a lot of things. He's gotten way better at it. I said, I sat down with him with the topographic map and we looked at it and we talked a little bit. And I'm like, look, I'm just going to hire you for a little mm-hmm. bit. You're going to go back there every day, put down a flag line, start prepping this yeah, for yeah. me to bring in an excavator and make a real trail. Like oh, wow. make the best use of the land, not just guess, make the yeah. as long as we possibly can with this land. Let's make the corridor wide enough where you can put real jumps in there. Mm-hmm. I want a blank slate for me to put in features. Mm-hmm. So I want this sort of trail that's sort of bermed out and not too many features. Yeah. And then I'm just going to go ballistic every week. Oh, where am I going to put this crazy uh thing structure yeah, that yeah. i'm thinking of yeah. bam i got all the space in the world to do it uh-huh. and we're gonna have the craziest trail you've ever seen down there <laughs> and, and you know there's people who think i they're like i oh, quit mountain biking he's just doing rc cars now no i'm, I'm broken right now i'm yeah, i yeah. have i already got insurance and all this stuff to to uh rent these excavators and stuff to bring in <laughs> i already i'm a text message away from just having this thing sitting in my driveway i just have to be able right. to hike over to the, to the diesel <laughs> fuel canister and put it in. Once I'm right. able to do that, we're it's getting on. back to trail building. That's right. I've, it's, it's burning a hole in my head. Yeah. You know? So no, we're not even close to being done with burn peak. That's super exciting. I'm sure that, um, man, you just gotta be like itching to get out of your seat and go. It's gotta be, oh, yeah. it's gotta be tough to be in the position that you're in. I know the, like I said, that project that I've been working on is, all I can think about lately. And because it's raining right now, I can't work on it. And that's, um, I'm like, I can't wait till it stops raining just so I can go, you know? So I, I can relate with you with, with how that's going. And I can only imagine to be doing it at that level with the excavator and then even more so with your, your project with the park. Um, that's really cool. What made you decide to, um, fund that park through Patreon? So there were a few things at, um, at play. First of all, um, yeah, I wanted to give back to the mountain bike community, not only just in, just to be a good guy, but also because I think that philanthropy is a good business model. Mm-hmm. You know, if you don't, Berm Peak is now a brand right? Mm-hmm. We're selling so much of this Burn Peak merch and people love Burn Peak. They love repping it and all that. Mm-hmm. And it has to stand for something. We have to do good things and continue to do good things. Once I'm done at the park, I can't stop there. I have to keep, keep mm-hmm. giving back um, because I like companies that do that. And, and with the kind of, it's because, it's because of social media that it happened. People have all these discussions about things mm-hmm. that they didn't before. Yeah. And if you're a crappy company and you don't and you don't give back or you do bad things, people are going to stop buying your crap. It's going to impact your business. Right. And um, I kind of owe it to my viewers 
you know, if they're a fan of the channel and they're repping my merch and they're watching my videos every week, um, they're, they're going to want me to do good things. I'm mm -hmm. doing it on their behalf. Mm -hmm. I think if you had, let's put it this way. If you had the ability to get funding and build a bike park, would you? A hundred percent. Of course you I would. Think, I think so the reason, I do. So I'm doing yeah, it. Yeah, yeah. I think the thing for me that um, that is so cool about it is that let's just say 20 years from now when I can't, let's, let's just assume I'm not mountain biking at that point. And, um, there will still be people out there on this trail that I'm building, riding it, having a good time with their friends, like twisting caps and drinking cold beers after they're done because How of, sick is that? yeah, that's, that's like the impact on like that could be there 50 years from now like that impact is even bigger than than the like hey i helped somebody lose weight or i helped somebody get through their divorce right. they like laughing at my videos like like that is like real impact you know and that totally it's like that's the part where i think that's what's got me like i'm so like driven and i'm sure that um i'm sure it's not going to stop exactly like what you said there's no way like it's fun and there's so much to it that it like excites me, you know, you know, you know, what's also exciting is thinking of something that's so crazy and out of reach and actually doing it. Yeah. Because part of Burn Park is me being selfish. I like, we don't have a scene with tons of like, like when you go to like Boulder, Colorado, they like mm -hmm. six free bike parks mm -hmm. around there. I'm like, I want my town to have that. Yeah. Why yeah. can't we? Why can't we have that? You yeah, know? Right. And I'm like, you know, all right, I'm just going to go build it. Right. So because I, I'm building it because I want to ride it too. Uh -huh. So th there's a lot of things at play. Um, when, you know, at the time that I switched to the bike park model, Patreon was at about $36,000 a year was coming in. Mm -hmm. And I finally got to the point where I didn't necessarily need that to survive. And I thought, you know what, if, if I do this, yeah, I'm going to take a gigantic financial hit. Right. Wife might be mad at me, right. um, but uh, it's going to pay off in the long run because there's going to be more story. There's going to be more things to make videos about. There's going to be unique content on the way yeah. and people are going to be more stoked about the brand. Like I have to do this. If I don't do this, I'm a, I'm just a piece of garbage. Yeah. You know, because I because I have the opportunity to do this. If I, yeah, if you have the opportunity to do something that cool and you don't, then you're you're a garbage human being, <laughs> as far as I'm concerned. Yeah, no, I totally hear you there. That's definitely um, it. it it's I, I don't even know what to say, honestly. Like, it, it I 100 percent agree with you. So that's definitely um somewhere where I'd love to be, you know, at a, at a spot where I could do something like that. When you have gone, so that's part of the financing. I mean, obviously $36,000 a year is not going to build this park. So how do you go from there to finding more? But it is. So first of all, Patreon has grown. Mm -hmm. Second of all, what I've learned with these public projects is it's sort of like what came first, the chicken or the egg, right? Mm -hmm. um, you need the funding to build the park. Um, but in, but nobody wants to give you funding until they know that the, 
nobody wants to fund a failing project. Right. Just because I say I'm going to build a bike park, mm -hmm. you know, uh, there are so many different ways that could go wrong. Mm -hmm. There's so many different ways where it's okay, fine, Seth, you're going to build a bike park. Here's $200,000. So and now you, all the money gets squandered in the bike park. Yeah. So do you come to the city right. like initially with, Hey, I got these plans. This is kind of the place that I'm looking for. Or did you come to them um, like before I'll that? I'll try like, and I'll try and explain it in order. So, so first I got the patrons on board. Right. That was easy. They were just like, yeah, yeah of course whatever. we want to find yeah. a bike park. And right. a few of them said something to the effect of like, Seth, you know, you can't build a bike park with this much money. <laughs> and I'm like, you know what? You're right. You know, but, <laughs> but because the patrons were, because the patrons are paying that money and I, we all had skin in the game. Now other people are willing to put in money. Right. So this, so if it wasn't for, if it wasn't for Patreon and everybody on it, we wouldn't have been able to spearhead this project. Nobody would have been willing to fund it. Once they know the, the project's going to be a success, then everybody jumps in. Right. Right. So you have to take the risk and put a whole bunch of money up in order to get everybody else on board. Because if you don't have skin in the game, then why are they going to put in funds? So right. fast forward to now, Patreon has raised over $70,000. Oh, and wow. so and so now I go to a company. I'm like, hey, you need to give us big sum of money to build a trail and it's going to be awesome. And they're like, well, how do we know that's going to happen? like because we're going to build it with or without you we already have you know funds it might just take us a little longer they're like all right i'm in <laughs> you know like once the pro they know the project's going to happen uh -huh. then they know that the money is going to go to something that's going to succeed you get what i'm saying like yeah yeah um nobody I wants to put money into a project that may or may not happen yeah no 100 percent. well and it gives you some like validity as well. I mean, it's like me, right? Me, it's like me booking people for this podcast when I had zero episodes and I couldn't call DVO and be like, Hey, come right. and get on this thing. They'd be like, Yeah, whatever. Some dude's just trying to, I don't know what he's right. You know what I mean? So after I can now send a list to him and be you like, need hey, a proof these, of concept. Yeah, these are the people that I, I've interviewed already. Oh, well, if you talk to them, then maybe we should talk to them. You know, so same thing. It's like, okay, well, these guys got money. They got, totally. they're, they're, they're obviously legit. They're not just some, some whack, wacko that we never heard of on YouTube that thinks he's going to build a bike park in our city. You know? Right. So now, so, so now that we have all these people backing it from all over the world that we have income coming in, we have the money to do something. Mm -hmm. Now I'm able to get all these other companies in. And so, yeah, if it wasn't for the patrons, this wouldn't be happening there. That in essence did it that mm -hmm. little relatively small sum of money compared yeah. to what a bike park should cost is what did it. And the way I started was just reaching out to people that have actually built stuff. So mm -hmm. Pisgah area Sorba, Matt Leach, mm -hmm. who is the, the, at the president of Pisgah area Sorba at that time, he had had some trails built in some very difficult kind of political situations mm -hmm. and, he was able to power through it. And how so is, how, is the environment, how, how is the political environment there? Because in California, it's like you it's need pretty backwards. like like the God needs a second secondary signature to get something done in California. You the know? whole East Coast, like the mountain bike community wants things done. But like yeah. the it's like out in Colorado and California, you have mountain bikers and local government. Mm -hmm. 
you know um but here it's like there's there's no other parks to go by mm -hmm. right like if if you're in colorado and you say hey i want to build a bike park here and they're like mm -hmm. why you're like well look at the one over there in boulder it's doing awesome yeah. and the whole community yeah. loves it oh okay cool right, you know right. so here yeah. it's like you don't have any you don't have any free public bike parks like what are you crazy you <laughs> jumps are you out of your mind like they're gonna the bike's gonna leave the ground yeah and who's gonna yeah. ride this nobody so only like travis pastrana is gonna ride it like there's no yeah, like right. <laughs> nobody can jump on a bike like that's yeah. literally the understanding level of local government but that's changed here in Asheville. Yeah. Asheville's a kind of a hub they're they're starting to build this up they're starting to warm up to it and we also have knoxville tennessee Mm -hmm. to use as an example they're they're further along than we are yeah. they don't even have as good of terrain and as big a mountains as we do but they're building more stuff mm -hmm. and canton which is the city that i eventually decided to build the park at mm -hmm. um they actually do have a really forward-thinking local government and the, mm -hmm. the assistant city manager is a mountain biker which mm -hmm. you saw in the video mm -hmm. and so i had his ear and yeah. I talked about all the ways that it could happen and all the things that we could do. And he had confidence that I would make it happen. Mm -hmm. um, he probably shouldn't have because <laughs> I've never done this before. Yeah. But Just it's, it. it's funded now. Like it's happening. Yeah. So it, it ended up working. But I mean, who knows what's going to happen? We could have the rainiest spring in history. Right. You know, we're not, we're not out of the woods yet. But um, yeah, I just started talking to people and then plan started to formulate and then I talked to more people and then I started reaching out to companies and I started figuring out how much it was actually going to cost. And mm -hmm. now we're thinking past the park. How are we going to keep it nice? How are we going to maintain it? Mm -hmm. And, uh, you know, that's, that's my next project. So will it be a public park, like, like yeah. owned by the city or it will be a yep. private park that's just open to the public? It's going to be a town park. Uh-huh. Is there a big distinction like between those two for like longevity of the park or something like that? Or was as there opposed, a town park as opposed to what? As opposed to like, hey, this guy Seth owns this land and built this park on it and he's just keeping it funded that way. So we do have some private parks here. You've seen me mm -hmm. mention Canuga. That Nico Mullally, uh built that. Mm -hmm. And he's another guy that's going to make all sorts of stuff happen here. Mm -hmm. Um, he doesn't own the land. He teamed up with somebody who owned the land. They have a camp like, there, Camp Canuga, like, like, like leasing and or something. pretty much like yeah. it benefits the camp and it benefits Nico. So they have mm -hmm. some kind of park partnership, but, yeah. um, it's, but it's private. And so when something's private, you can't step away from it. Mm -hmm. Right. Let's say I bought a bunch of land and built a bike park on it. First of all, I couldn't make it free then because I'm paying property taxes every year. Mm -hmm. I'm freaking liable. Yeah, yeah. Um, you know, it's I would have to quit YouTube and run a bike park. Yeah. So and the plan, the, the, the better good. idea is to get this thing so it's self-sufficient, so that you could walk away right. or like whatever the reason. So is. Like, yeah. the reason that I wanted to build a pub, the main reason I wanted to build a public park is that. I think towns should be building public parks. I think towns should be using their funds instead of building a tennis court that two people can play on. Yeah. They should build a pump track that a whole bunch of people can play on. Or yeah. instead of instead of building, um, 
you know, all these things that towns build that nobody uses. Right. Freaking frisbee golf course. Like, come on. Yeah. <laughs> like, not nothing against you if you play frisbee golf, but jumps yeah. are way cooler. Yeah, right. But, and there are towns that are doing that. Yeah. And it's a major success. Like, everywhere where towns put their money towards towards bike parks, it's a major success. So why aren't we doing it? So I wanted to do it here as a proof of concept. And I feel like once they see how well it worked, then mm -hmm. the towns around here will be more forthcoming with funds and, and invest in mountain biking more. Um, and so the other, go ahead. It's, it's more expensive to build a public park, way more expensive because you yeah. need to do things a certain way. Yeah. You have less freedom, Yeah. but in the end it's accessible to more people. You don't have to pay. You don't have to have a membership. You don't have to, you don't even have to wait for, you don't have to go and talk to somebody and sign a waiver. You just show up and ride. That's yeah. the way it should be. Right. Yeah. So. So once you finish this, how long do you think this is going to take? Um, I can't say. Yeah. Because I'm because what I'm telling the public is padded tremendously. Yeah. Okay. One thing so I've we'll learned in project management yeah. is the more people you have involved, yeah. the more the potential date can get pushed along. So, yeah. best case scenario is a date that's pretty soon, but mm -hmm. worst case scenario is kind of what I told the public. Yeah. You know, so, it's sometime in 2021. Yeah. So it'll be open sometime in 2021. So because you, we could build a park and the town wouldn't it's not finished building the parking lot or the way yeah. to access it. Yeah, yeah. You know, so, so you're looking at sometime yeah. this year it's gonna be complete. Yeah, it's it's gonna be rideable this year. That's awesome. Are you gonna do some yeah. kind of like big launch event? Probably. Yeah. That'd Something like cool. that. I'll probably like, kind of give the patrons an opportunity to ride the park privately before oh, wow. it's open to the public and ride it when everything's like super fresh. So there you and go. Then, I don't get know. We'll, another reason to get on two, <laughs> two bucks a month. Yeah, um, right. And um, we'll probably do some kind of ribbon cutting or something. I don't know where the pandemic's going to be at that point. And, yeah. you know, uh, but yeah, we're probably going to have to do some sort of grand opening. And yeah. I also want to invite pros out to ride it and stuff and film and get super epic shots and just like make the patrons shine for what they made yeah. happen, make the sponsors shine for what they made happen. Uh -huh. Um, we're going to be putting stuff in this park that there's no public park around here has. Yeah. Well, like huge I know. wall rides, giant berms and, and uh, we're, we, uh, I'm going to stop giving yeah. up what we're doing, you, but yeah. I mean, you, you have some, some pretty janky stuff in your backyard that you've built. Oh, totally. I noticed one of those trails was like double black diamond or something like, like it, it was definitely labeled like this one's going to be serious. So I can only imagine that. Um, I, I would think that there's a certain point that you got to like pipe it down a little bit because it's completely open to the public. You don't want like people out there. like yeah. their backs. No, Grove Park is going to be built like a public bike park, like yeah. what you would expect from a public bike park. Like when I say we're going to have stuff that no other place has, I'm not, I don't mean like we're going to have a teeter cannon. Yeah. Right. We're going to have features that are built right. And you, they're very visible and clearly labeled and there's sort of bailout zones. You know, we're going to build it as safely as humanly possible, mm -hmm. but um, we're going to build stuff that's really, 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 really fun to ride. Yeah, Let's right. put it that way. Um, it's not going to be like Burn Peak. Burn Peak's not fun. Burn Peak is a bummer. It's super terrifying. 
it Burn Peak gives me anxiety just thinking about it. I'm like, man, I, I but I would love to come for that rib, ribbon cutting ceremony. Hopefully everything works out with COVID and travel and whatever. And that would be something that would be fun. To, to and be the with. ranger station will be open too. So the people that I invite down, I'm going to block off dates at the ranger station for them to stay there. Now I have a place for guests to stay. So they're not staying in my house or getting a hotel or something. Right. So that's which funny. That that's- was another reason for the collaborations. It's funny you said that uh, Josh here in the comments had mentioned uh, what's going on with the guest house. So that's in the same town where that, that uh, the house is that you're. Remodeling? No, it's actually, it's actually a pretty good distance from the bike park, but hmm. you know, 45 minutes from the bike park, but it's, it's in Brevard, which is a great mountain biking destination. Mm-hmm. It's one of the most popular mountain biking destinations in the East of the Mississippi river. Mm-hmm. So um, it's there. So you could stay there and, ride the park actually the, the guest house is only 20 minutes from my house mm-hmm. um which is not bad on all local roads it's it's really close by what's the uh what was the inspiration to do that just like like a financial business endeavor or like you just didn't want people to crash yeah, the- like, i gotta get alex out of this house so i'm just gonna buy another one and remodel it that's that's <laughs> part of it um so first of all things like this happen i break and, you know, I can't keep putting my life in danger to make content. Um, I have to diversify things and I have to right. diversify income streams. And yeah. the other thing is, and what inspired me to do it was I get comments all the time where it's like, you know, Seth, why don't you let us ride Burn Peak? And obviously that, that comment comes from a little kid yeah. because everybody else understands why I can't let people ride Burn Peak. Like that'd right. be a nightmare. No right. way I could just let people come ride burn peak but um but with the ranger station it can kind of be this place that fans of the channel you know take a pilgrimage to they actually can visit some place that's on the channel and burn park is the same thing they're going to be able to actually ride something that we built they're going to actually be able to stay in this place that's like dedicated to the channel and so i wanted to find a way to be interactive with my audience without inviting them into my backyard and getting right. sued for everything I have. Did you ever so, have anybody hit the drama drop that like you didn't know? Cause I was just thinking no, about that. Like, I had cameras on it. You know, like where we grew up back in, like if there was somebody that had a ramp in their yard, we would have been hitting it. You, you know what I mean? I've seen kids go up to it. Yeah. And they're like, hell no. <laughs> just but uh, about it. <laughs> what, what would happen with the drama drop is it looks so small on video uh-huh. and like um if you're a bike rider that's gone to bike parks and stuff mm-hmm. you know and you've ridden big drops it always looks bigger in person you right. remember a huge drop you see the drama drop on video and you're like that thing's nothing right but in real life so so all the time i'd invite people out they're like like, yeah, I want to hit the drama drop. I want to hit the drama drop. And then they roll up to it and they're like, yeah, it's getting kind of late. It's a little dark out. My bike's <laughs> not like totally dialed. Like all of a sudden they start making excuses because they see it in real life. And they're like, holy crap. Like yeah. they realize all the things that could go wrong on that yeah. thing because of the approach. And because the, there's a big drop off to the right of it into the woods mm-hmm. with all the thorns. And, you know, they're all of a sudden they're not so stoked on it. When When you're building those features, are you... Or like, is your your initial idea like let's make this sketchy as shit, or does it just end up that way? I never aim to make something sketchy, um, 
the reason why the first features were so sketchy is because the yard was so small. And so if I'm going to build something big in this tiny yard where there's no room for an approach, mm -hmm. like, yeah, it's going to be sketchy. Mm -hmm. I also sucked at trail building. Like, I didn't know what yeah. I was doing. And so it's going to be sketchy. Yeah. And I also like humor is a huge part of the channel. So something like the Sicknick table, mm -hmm. which, you know, it's sketchy, of course. Right. And yeah. And, and I want to build things that are going to be visually impressive and um, look like something that nobody's ever seen before. Yeah. And the reason for that is, you know what happens when you film something normal and put it on YouTube, it looks like nothing. Right. So you have to push it to the limits for it to look like anything. Yeah. It has to be yeah. a teeter cannon. Yeah, right. So, did, you take, did you take the drama drop out when you sold the place? Yeah, I did. You did, yeah. I took everything out. Yeah. Even this, I took even everything the out. Table? I took grass seeds everywhere. Even the What's that? Table? I'm surprised yeah, you took Yeah, I took the picnic table out too. Uh, I figured that would be Wait, something. Wait, no, I didn't take the picnic table out. Yeah. I did yeah. leave that. But the, the people who bought the house... Um, they excavated the whole yard and they put a big retaining wall. And, oh, you know, there you go. Long live Worm Creek. Right. Yeah. yeah. It's funny how that is. You know, it's like, I'm sure there's a certain party that's like, oh man. But on the other hand, it's Not like, really. like you moved on other things. I go by. Yeah, there's I, a, go ahead. No, I, I, I don't really, uh, I don't really get emotional about that stuff. I, I just, I always kind of move forwards. I guess yeah. I was, I was a little bummed at first. Like I was more bummed for how the audience was going to react actually. Yeah. Because I was excited. I was already excited about moving to this new place with all the space. Right. You know? right. But, yeah. um, so it's easy yeah. to let go of something when you're upgrading, you know what I mean? Yeah. Like, whatever. I don't even care. Well, about are you sad that. about letting go of your old bike when you got yeah. a brand new carbon one sitting in a box over there? Right. You know? Yeah, yeah. 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 Not at all. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> So, um, um, any anything with the the new place that you wish you would have done differently so far? Uh, with Berm Peak, yeah, yeah. I wish I chose a to totally different place every day really? because <laughs> first of all, there's no there's no variation in the land. It's just uh -huh. one big forty five degree angle. Mm -hmm. It's completely covered in rhododendron. So I've gotten comments from you know in the videos. They're like. It took them that long to build that trail. Like I could have built that in 10 minutes. Yeah. In normal woods, you could just run a rake in between the trees and build that in 10 minutes. Yeah. But I have, I can't even climb through these rhododendrons. They're so thick. And I found out that it's called, they, that uh, ain't like um, early settlers in the Appalachian mountains mm -hmm. called it Laurel hell. And mm -hmm. people would find themselves in these Laurel thickets and they would die there because it took them so long to cover ground and they would just starve trying to find their way out. Yeah. And that's exactly what Burn Peak is. And yeah. so that's why <laughs> Kevin and I are going in and flagging and, and just, I'm like, at first I was like, oh, I don't want to remove too much foliage. Like I love trees, I love trees. Now yeah. I'm like, forget rhododendrons. Like we're not cool. <laughs> I'm just gonna burn every rhododendron I see. Set it so on now fire. we're coming in there with the excavator and we're gonna dig out a trail so I don't have to spend so much time clearing and I can spend time actually building features. That's how I feel about chaparral right now. Like we have this plan out here and it's just <laughs> like, like I hate poison oak with every inch and like piece of my soul, but in a really tight second place is, is chaparral. Because it's that oh. same thing, man. You can't move 
like six inches with this stuff. You're like, why am I still standing in the same spot for 20 minutes on the same freaking plant? You know? So, uh, yeah, I can, yeah, I, I know I that that's your like, laurel. Yeah, it definitely is. And it, it like, it has a good friend called Manzanita too. And they like hang out like they're real tight. They're like, they're, they're like, oh. yeah, laurels and rhododendrons, mountain laurels and rhododendrons are like that. There's, I guess, there's something like that everywhere. Yeah, yeah, these two, man, they're just like, oh my god, you're like, man, like uh, one of the guys I was working with the other day, he's like, man, I wish we could just be like, have you know, you know, chainsaws on both arms and like one on our head spinning around. We could just walk through and just like, <laughs> you know, just. Otherwise, it's just such a mess. So, yeah, it's kind of crazy. So, um, you got this place in Brevard. Why did you pick Brevard? Just because it was the the mountain bike obvious mountain choice. Mountain I mean, place. if if I'm gonna have a vacation rental close mm -hmm. to my house, that's the best place to put it. It makes sense. Yeah, it's the best place to put it, and um, you can't even find anything decent for sale there now. I got it just in time. Oh, sweet. Um, right. It's going to be the most convenient place for the guests. Um, tons of bike shops, competent mm -hmm. bike shops mm -hmm. that know how to work on mountain bikes, can service everything from suspension to wheels to everything. Mm -hmm. um, so Ashland is, isn't like that. Like a, I thought Ashland was like a pretty like mountain bike centric kind of city. It's so Asheville, so Asheville is a very outdoorsy city. It's like a huge hub for kayaking and mm -hmm. rock climbing and everything, but really, and Brevard gets pissed about this. Everything you see in the marketing material is Brevard. <laughs> so when they're, they're, when they're telling people to come to Asheville, yeah. they show pictures of Brevard and they come to Asheville, which is like, you know, almost an hour away. And then, um, then Brevard's resources, you know, then they go into National Forest, uh -huh. which is totally underfunded and under-resourced. Uh -huh. And and Asheville doesn't really con contribute much to Brevard. So uh -huh. it's good for the bike shops in Brevard and stuff, but um it's it's tough, it's tough on the uh public infrastructure uh -huh. there. So when you first moved your uh, last place, that was in a Ash Asheville as well? Yeah. I mean, everywhere I am is in the Asheville metro area. Okay. It's easier to say Asheville. Yeah, but, I got it. Um, I got it. Yeah. There's some people still think I live in Nashville. But yeah. It's, it's Asheville. It's in North Carolina. And um, and they're pretty much the biggest. It's the place where there's the biggest mountains on the East Coast. Uh -huh. It's the only place. It's the only place on the East Coast where there's different weather in place from place to place besides maybe like new hampshire and places up in the northeast virginia there there are places but here it's like very common like my friend that i'm about to ride with i'll be like is it snowing over there yeah oh it's dry over here yeah you know we're 10 minutes away from each other because it's they're real mountains what kind of elevation do they have so um mount mitchell goes up to about 6700 feet oh wow um, so it's pretty big the, Beach Mountain Bike Park, um, the summit I think is at fifty two hundred feet. No, the whole town of Beach Mountain is at, uh, is is really high up. Um, Boone has really is at a high elevation. I mean, it's it snows like crazy there, and then it won't yeah. here. Um, yeah, we have entire towns that are above four or five thousand feet. 
Yeah, because I mean, where I grew up in Pennsylvania, the the, the Appalachians come through there, but they're not that big there. You know, no, so, in Pennsylvania, they're more like yeah. just ridges. Yeah, they're kind of like foothills. Yeah, Pennsylvania's <laughs> got some rad mountain biking, actually. If you, you know where to look. Yeah, um, and, know, they, and they have ski resorts. Yeah, yeah, up in like the Poconos and stuff like that. Yeah, yeah. Um, and the Northeast is actually really good. Yeah, there's so much good stuff in the Northeast. I'd like to go um, back home and and really kind of experience that aspect of it. When I was riding mountain bikes in Pennsylvania, it was the 90s, so it was we were riding on hiking trails and like there was nobody no knew thing. to be angry at you about yeah, it. Yeah. There was no such thing as a mountain bike trail then it was like, ride your bike right. wherever you want, you know? And so it'd be really interesting to go back and kind of see the infrastructure that's in place now. So yeah. definitely. Um, I mean, I'm sure the same thing goes for where you grew up, you know, it's definitely. Uh, well, where I grew up on Long Island. So I had quick access to New York state and, and all that stuff. But uh, Long Island is flat. Yeah. Pretty flat. I mean, I mean like, it's hilly. Yeah. But it's, yeah. It's not big elevation. There, there's nothing, like, the biggest elevation change there is, like, 200-something feet. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, it's crazy. So, so you, you mentioned uh, um, Knoxville being close to you guys. So you said there's a pretty good scene there? It's a great scene in Knoxville. There are... There's, I mean, there's Baker Creek, there's, um, Wind Rock is right outside of, of Knoxville and that place is infamous. Mm -hmm. Um, and yeah, people are building trails and volunteering and companies are putting up money and yeah, it's, yeah. I think Knoxville is further along than Asheville in yeah. terms of, uh, the attitude towards building public mountain bike infrastructure. It's interesting. Uh, we'll catch up. Yeah, I definitely, uh, man, my, uh, my kids are, my daughter's graduating high school this year. So at this point, um, we're kind of looking at the country going, well, we, we're open to go somewhere else because there, I love California, man. The geog geography out here is just amazing, but there's plenty of other reasons that doesn't, doesn't California make is cool. stay, you know, but I love riding out here. I, you know, it, it is. There's awesome. a reason why California is so crowded. It's, yeah, it's cool. yeah, yeah. It's rad, it's just, you know. It's just insanely expensive, you know. And that's one of those things where you start looking at, you know. At least for me, the older I get, the more that I, the less like I want to. How do I say this? The let the less that I want to maybe not work. That's not the way to say it. It's just that I want to live my life more. You know, and and to like the best extent Instead that of I can. Fighting to just pay in, in yeah, to just exist at the yeah. bare minimum living standards. Yeah, it's like, well, I could go somewhere else and make the same money that I make here, and then like you know, go on vacation. You can make a lesson live better. Yeah, exactly. So it's like, yeah. you know, and it's funny too because I mean, I I was in the military, so I have friends all over the U.S. and stuff like. You talk to certain people and you tell them, you know, like, oh yeah, I'm making this much, and they're like, dude, you're a freaking baller, and it's like, no, I'm not. You know, like, <laughs> <laughs> if I was living where you live, yes, I would be, but it, over here, I'm not. You know, so it's just you know one of those things I've been tossing around. We were talking about Tennessee was one of the states that we were talking about, so it's interesting to hear what you had to say there. What yeah. made you decide North Carolina? Did you it's have a rad. friend? Or, yeah, I mean, did you? So, come to um, I asked. Um, I asked Alexander, who had traveled the entire country. You know, I had done a fair bit of traveling at the time, mm -hmm. but Alexander had you know done so much. And I said, 
if there was a town that you were going to move to with kind of an average cost of living, great mountain biking and just good people, like kind of a kind of weird people live there. Mm-hmm. You know, I don't want, I don't want to live someplace where normal people live. Yeah. Um, and he was like Asheville, like that's the raddest place ever anywhere. <laughs> and I visited and it was super cool. And I said, okay, I'm starting looking for a house. Um, it's also, uh, strategically a good place because it's the same distance from New York as it is from South Florida. And I have a lot of family members in both places. They hate us here in Asheville, people from Florida, New York, um, because you know, we're, we're dicks Yeah, and everybody here is super nice. Yeah. I'm sure. um, I try to be, you know, chill. Yeah, I'm sure it. wherever I go, they're going to be like, that Californian guy, he's over there doing that. Oh, they hate <laughs> Yeah, however much they hate me, they hate you more. Yeah, yeah. I'm just going to tell people I'm from Pennsylvania, and then I'll just... <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it just won't even bother. So, yeah. Just, if, you move, if you move somewhere, adopt their way, adopt their way of living. Yeah. And yeah, their I've... way of driving. Right. Because it because the reason the place is so cool is because because you weren't there yeah to right. mess it up right <laughs> a bunch that's, of other people like you <laughs> that's one of those things that the lady and I talk about you know these people come to these cities like let's just say Austin for example you know you have a lot of people from California moving there and they like Austin for what it is but then they come and they try to change it to be like California and it's like dude that's why you left like why are you trying right. to do <laughs> oh the Texans are like they got their pitchforks out. Yeah. California's coming. <laughs> right. Yeah. And there is a boatload of like, I mean, especially now, like a bunch of tech companies are going down there. I, Cause Texas is like taking care of the companies. They're setting them up good with the, you it's know, a really business friendly place. Yeah. Yeah. So they're definitely doing them, doing them right by that way. So um, anyways, moving along. So you, uh, you got you got a, any uh, new new bikes in the mix there? I see your you got your your knee scooter back there. I got my knee scooter. I was uh, I was using that a lot today. We were getting materials for a little project. Um, not quite done with the RC stuff yet. My mm-hmm. it's going to be. I talked to the doctor. I, I had a doctor's appointment today. It's going to be a while before I can really do stuff. But mm-hmm. um, we're going to keep busy it, in the garage. Yeah. How good did it feel to get on that gravel bike? It hurt a lot, but it felt, yeah. I was so proud of myself and it felt really good. And so yeah. I think in a couple of weeks, I should be able to get back on the gravel bike and do sort of like easy pedals. Mm-hmm. I can't push down on my foot really that hard. It's like certain things I do, like flexing it back. Like mm-hmm. I have to keep working it and get that range of motion back. Mm-hmm. Um, but I don't have a lot of bikes in the works. I kind of like have every bike I could ever want at this point. Um yeah. But building out moonshangle thickets, building the big trail—that's that's like the big thing. Mm-hmm. Uh, Berm Park, the ranger station. Uh, yeah. We're gonna have to build some kind of crawler course too somewhere. <laughs> uh, so I've got projects galore in the pipeline. It just people have to trust that I'm. I'm just yeah. hang tight. I'm gonna yeah, do yeah. it. I just I can't right now. I'm all messed up. And I and there's something else huge happening in my life. Yeah. Biggest thing that's ever happened in my life that I can't even discuss right now. Yeah. But everybody will know about it soon. Well, that's exciting. There you go, a little teaser there. Yeah. I know whenever I had my injury and the first time that I got on my bike, I went to a trail that wasn't, you know, 
very technical and I, I could only ride a couple of miles because my level of fitness was just shot. I, I, my strength wasn't there even to, to like roll over little rocks and stuff because my, right. my shoulder was like just strong enough that I could like finally get on the bike. And I just remember being so happy that I like almost wanted to cry, you know, like it was just, it felt so good to be pedaling and moving forward on a bike again. And then on the other hand, it was like, it was like I had like two different, like those little angel devil guys on the shoulders. Like, cause like on the other shoulder, the, that other guy was like so pissed about how out of shape I was, you, you know what I mean? It was like, <laughs> I'm sure it was probably a similar experience for you on the, on the gravel. Bike. You know, what's great. And I assume Burn Park is going to be similar. So at Canuga, you know, Nico's bike park, Mm -hmm. I'm not even talking about the main climb to the top, which is only 500 foot gain. Mm -hmm. um, there's a trail at the bottom called Tortuga mm -hmm. and it's just a blue jump line. It's so fun. Um, and people lap it over and over and over again. And the climb is so short. It's like, I don't know, maybe eight or nine jumps or mm -hmm. something. However much elevation it takes to pack those in. Yeah. Um, and there's just tons of people on the weekend hiking their bikes up that. <laughs> because they traveled there from someplace else and they've never, they've never climbed something that big. Oh, and wow. I love seeing it because they're so determined to get back up there. They're just going to hike up. Those yeah. people are going to be climbing it eventually. Then they're eventually going to be climbing up to the top and they're eventually be doing bigger climbs. But it's like at a bike park like that, it's like there's no shame in it. Nobody cares. Yeah. There's people on e-bikes. There's people hiking yeah. their bikes up there. However you get to the top, when it's a when it's a bikes only place like that and it's about yeah. jumps however you get to the top yeah who i don't cares? care yeah. who's gonna if, if you're judging somebody for that like you don't belong at a bike park i don't even care how you get to the top on a mountain bike ride like you, <laughs> yeah. you know what i mean like honestly there's a ride that i did it's called uh frill peak and it's, the top of the trail is like 9700 feet or something like that it's like stupid <laughs> it's stupid high where like, you're having trouble breathing. Yeah, in great shape, you get to like a little six inch baby head sticking out of the trail and you're like, screw it, I'll walk. You, you know, like you just have no energy at all. And, um, but I, I remember telling people, just come out and try it. You, you could get, maybe you get halfway and then you know next time you can maybe get a little bit further than that. Or if you have to walk this whole thing, it's that fun going down that I don't even care it's worth it. Like, just do it. Just get out there and do it. So I, I, I personally, I feel like there's no shame in not pedaling, you know, not at all, but you'll get I there. Just, for, you know, people ride bikes for different reasons. Like, yeah. uh, there's the scenery, there's the travel, there's getting out someplace that you can't get yeah. any other way. There's the excitement, the adrenaline, the fun. Yeah. And like, everybody's in it for all those reasons, but it's weighted in different directions. Some people are yeah. more adrenaline focused. Some people are more scenery focused. Some people are in it for, they want to climb. They're all about the yeah. fitness and, and, and um, racing against themselves. Yeah. And you can't judge somebody else for what they're in it for. If somebody's just in it for the fun and they just want to hit jumps all day, and they're mm -hmm. at a bike park and they're getting up there. However, like, who cares? It's a toy. Yeah. A mountain bike is a toy. Yeah. 
You yeah, know, yeah, you've yeah. got to be a pretentious idiot to judge somebody <laughs> for how they play with their toys when you're right. on a toy yourself. But so, uh, you you don't have an e-bike, do you? I don't have an e-bike. So that's one thing I'm kind of curious about. I mean, with the injury and where you're at, like, is that something that you maybe considered? Um, not really. Because the reason that I haven't ridden an e-bike, first of all, I have no problem with e-bikes. I can't mm -hmm. take a ski lift and then have a problem with e-bikes, right? Right. So, or you know, that's in your truck. <laughs> ultimate hypocrisy. So, but I'm not that strong. Like maybe I feel that way because everybody I ride with is like really good, but mm -hmm. I suck. Like I'm not, I'm not that fit. I spend too much time behind the computer. I make too many excuses to not go on big rides and just mm -hmm. go hit jumps instead. Uh, when I should be working on my fitness, I go and, and take out the dirt jumper. Mm -hmm. I suck at climbing. And so I, but I, I want to not suck at climbing. Mm -hmm. And so any opportunity I have to climb, I want to, I want to earn it. But that's me. If somebody else wants to do it a different way, they can. I don't care. Mm -hmm. uh, also, we're on the East Coast. Um, the e-bikes are not allowed anywhere. There's nowhere you can take an e-bike except for the road and the gravel roads. Uh -huh. And so I would only use it on Burn Peak. Yeah. And so I don't want to get used to throwing around the weight of an e-bike and all that and then get on my trail bike and the only trails i can ride that's one of the things that sucks about the east coast is the we're, we're just not there yet we're not as far along mm -hmm. as the pacific northwest and the west coast um, have, you but ridden, have, you, have you ridden an e-bike on a like a proper yeah. mountain bike trail okay yeah. tons of times tons okay. of times they're, they're they're awesome yeah um i'll eventually have an e-bike but now is now is not the time yeah. especially especially being that i'm going to be recovering from this injury and getting on the gravel bike I mm -hmm. actually do want to start focusing on fitness mm -hmm. and discipline more. Mm -hmm. And uh, I also I also like that something like a gravel bike is just human powered. Mm -hmm. You know, you can go out someplace under your own power. It's it's uh, I'm sure I'd stop caring about that really quick when I'm going where I want to go at 30 miles an hour on the e-bike. But yeah, um, I like the thought of it. I like how simple bikes are. I like how simple they are to work on. Yeah. Um, so I'm not there yet, but eventually I'll, I will, I will have a new bike. A friend of mine bought one not too long ago and I was asking him, do you feel like it makes you not want to ride the analog bike? And his answer to me was that it was really different and it didn't make him feel that way. And I wasn't really sure how to understand, like how to comprehend what he was saying. I kind of like, I, I, I don't think I really like digested it very well. A couple of weeks ago, a friend of mine asked me to come ride his e-bike. He had two of them. And we went and did this ride. It was fun. It was a lot of fun. But I immediately understood what my friend was saying. It, it did not make me want to not ride my regular bike at all. Because it was really different. Like, there was parts where it's like... It is different. Oh, okay, you, you want to be in an easier gear so that you can spin your legs faster so that you can kick the motor in more to get more speed here. And you want to break that's, like on an e-bike, you can just put it in the highest gear and just tap the pedal. Yeah. Not do any work and it goes. It's like yeah. there are ways around the pedal assist. Like yeah. if you've ridden e-bike, you know all the little hacks to yeah. not do any work whatsoever. Yeah. You know, the the thought is always like, 
oh, well, you're still pedaling. It's just adding to your power. That's BS. You can, yeah. you can put it, you can put it into turbo mode. You can yeah. just kind of spin the pedals and let it, it sends you around. Yeah. And, I and definitely... uh, it's definitely not a motorcycle though. There is yeah. a difference between yeah. e-bike and a motorcycle because it feels like a bike. Yeah. We were, gives we you were the experience getting, of a yeah. bike. We were definitely getting down. I mean, I was, I was sweating pretty good when we stopped, but it definitely, my legs felt like I went on a flat road bike ride instead of a, uh, a mountain bike ride where it was like we rode for, I don't know, an hour and a half or something. I, I could have easily went and climbed another 3000 feet of elevation on my regular bike. Like it was nothing. So I, I, yeah, I, I don't understand where that some people are like, it's the same workout. And I, I, I guess it depends on how you ride it. Cause I definitely wasn't riding it that it's way. It's not the same like, workout. Yeah. <laughs> Like, it's not if you're really disciplined, then it's the same yeah, workout. Right? You can travel but I'm not 80 miles, which is really hard. But, <laughs> right? but most of us get on an e-bike and we're like, oh, this is awesome. I can just hit jumps and not not work. <laughs> yeah. And like, and you know what? Uh, in a bike park, that's the greatest thing ever. They don't yeah. have to install a lift. Like, yeah. how sick is that? You can get in all those laps on something that feels like a bike yeah. and get up there faster. That's a really if good. If you do point. want to put in some work, you can that. get up there really fast. Yeah, you could have a place that's like Spider Mountain down there in Austin. That instead of spending, I don't know, what do you think? Probably at least a million dollars to put in that that lift system. You know, do you they know could... how how much that increases the reduces your profit margins, your potential yeah. to run a bike park, and increases the ticket price. Yeah, right. So like, you can you? instead. Just be like, hey, we're gonna go buy you know sixty e bikes to rent, and uh, we'll we'll be able to do it this way instead. You so know, or... Nico's Park Canuga, mm -hmm. it, it doesn't have a lift. You pedal up to the top. They rent e bikes there, mm -hmm. and the ticket is fifty dollars per month. Yeah, that's oh, so wow. much per month. Oh, that is sick. Yeah, per month, and the, yeah. and the jumps are always dialed. They maintain everything. They're always building new stuff. It, the wow. place is so rad. And he's actually, I think he's making a profit. So now yeah. all of a sudden bikes only bike parks are a profitable business model because you don't need to run a lift that costs like yeah. thousands of dollars a day in electricity. Yeah, no, that's, that's a, that's really awesome. I, I couldn't imagine I, if there was somewhere local that I could pay 50 bucks a month to go to, I definitely would be doing that. Totally. That's, that's the thing out here. We don't have anything like that out here. And, I, I mean, we have a lot of really good riding, but I mean, it, there's North Star and Tahoe, but I think, I don't know how much tickets are there. Probably like somewhere between 50 and a hundred dollars a day. You sure, know? It's going right these days. Right. Right. But other than that, I mean, everything else that is around here is all, um, you know, kind of pay to play. You gotta, I mean, there's some places like Downeyville that you can get a shuttle ride to the top, but. Most of them, if you're shuttling, you're shuttling yourself and you're doing it on some local trail. I mean, on, the, right. on the flip side, I mean, we do have some amazing elevation loss to do that with, you know. So, yeah, it's a drag to have to drive a truck there and drive a truck there. But, yeah, we descended for nine miles. You know, <laughs> so Yeah, you got to do shuttle math. Yeah, yeah. So, I mean, I can't complain about that at all. It definitely can't complain about that at all. But even I noticed like in the bike parks though, um, I don't see some of the progression stuff out here that I see on a lot of videos. Like when I watch videos of like Bentonville, how they'll have, 
you know, this jump next to this jump next to this jump. And then maybe like a progression oh, yeah. line where it's like tabletops this big, then tabletops this big, then tabletops this big. Like well, everything out here, it seems like it's either extremely easy or really difficult. And it doesn't Yeah, there's nothing like, in between. Yeah. So like Berm Park, for instance, we know we're building a we're, we're building a public bike park. There's going to be a lot of people visiting that may have never been in a sort of pedal up bike park environment. Mm -hmm. And so they're not going to be able to ride it without risking, you know, putting themselves at risk unless we build those progressive features. And so we're right. going to have a baby trail, like Strider bike trail. Mm -hmm. We're going to have a baby trail. We're going to have a beginner trail, but it's going to be like a real cool beginner trail. Yeah. Like if you know the lines, you can like gap stuff. Yeah, then yeah. we're going to have a sick intermediate trail that just jump after jump after jump and wooden mm -hmm. features down the hill. Then we're going to have like an A-line style advanced trail. Mm -hmm. And then we're going to just have like awesome, just pro line mm -hmm. that comes off the end of the advanced line. So right. there's going to be little progressions for everyone at the place. It's going to be really cool. And in Bentonville, because they build everything from scratch and they're planning and they have, you know, they have really smart people doing all that there. Um, they really did plan ahead to make sure the community could grow with what they were building. Mm -hmm. That's exciting. If they could grow their skills into it. Yeah, that's really exciting. Could you imagine having something like that when you were a kid? I, I had, me, my head would explode. Yeah. I, I mean, we would ride miles across town to go hit some jump that jump off a staircase yeah yeah it'd be like oh yeah. we jumped off that one now we're gonna go right over the other side of town and hit that hit that uh that jump that jumps over the street and then we're gonna ride to the other side of you know so-and-so's town and we'll you know in pennsylvania there's no fences so you like bomb down through six people's yards and hit this you know booter at the end and jump over somebody's driveway or something you know like that. yeah we were spending all day long to go hit like five or six jumps, you know. And oh my to, god, uh, what I would do to be a kid right now, right? It just it's it, insane. It, it it doesn't surprise you how good some of these young riders riders are by the resources that they have. I mean, I learned ninety percent of my skills when I was a kid. I've yeah, like maybe gained ten percent since then. Right. So it's like right. that's the time where you, if you have access to that stuff when you're a kid, you just become a beast. Yeah. Crazy. Yeah. Yeah, it's so. definitely definitely uh, pretty sick. So um, you got this plan for the backyard that sounds pretty intricate, and then you got this this park that you're thinking you're going to get done in 2021. I'm sure that you had, and you had said earlier that you had some aspirations to continue to do some philanthropy. I can't say that word tonight. Uh, what what is is what, is what is it that's kicking around in your head about the future where you would like to do after Burn Park? So they're all just ideas right now. Mm -hmm. And then as soon as I say them on a podcast <laughs> and people are like, when is that going to be done? Yeah. We when can't is that, that. going to be done? But so throughout the year, and I don't make it, I don't like advertise or anything, but I donate a lot of money to, to the trails during the year, like thousands of dollars per year to the trails here because um, I feel like if I ride them, I should. And because they're in my videos and I have this channel because of it, I, I have to give something back. And once we're done building Berm Park, I can do more than just give a couple of thousand dollars because now I have a feather in my cap. I have a bike park that I organized and built. 
I have a proof of concept if it's successful. First things first, once we build Burn Park, we have to transition into a volunteer maintenance model. I have to figure out how I'm going to do that. Mm-hmm. And I have some ideas regarding that that could grow into something bigger. So just the maintenance on Burn Park is actually going to turn into something bigger. Oh, that's and cool. I know that gives you precisely no information, yeah, no, but right. I have an idea regarding that. And when I was trying to build Burn Park, I mean, I reached out to Asheville. Mm-hmm. I said, hey, is there any place we can do this? I've got 2 million subscribers or however many I had then. It was probably a million then. Um, you know, we're going to make things happen. People are going to listen to us. We can raise money. And I, I didn't even get responses back. I couldn't get anybody to talk to me. Once this thing's built, it's going to be a whole different ball game. I'm going to have connections and government and no yeah. trail builders and, and be able to break through to do other things. And so I don't even know what some of those things could be, but I want to, I want to continue doing stuff. I really do. Um, and Berm Peak as a brand, I want it to be more than just my backyard. I want it to be something that I want it, when somebody wears a Berm Peak shirt or a beanie or something, I want it to be like that. That's what they represent. Giving back to mountain biking, thinking big, building stuff. Um, you want it to be a culture not a brand. Yeah. I want it to be a lifestyle brand. I want yeah. it to be like, this is what Burn Peak stands for. And in order to do that, I have to set the example. I have to keep doing cool stuff. Yeah. Um, and um, I think, I think hope you, it all works. <laughs> you do a hell of a job setting an example, dude. I mean, I think that for the mountain bike YouTube area or genre or whatever you want to say, you're obviously like the person that is most recognizable by everybody and that you've you've got hundreds and thousands of people into making content and probably way more than that even riding bikes and now what you're doing now with with um with this park and everything it's it's really impressive and it's definitely something to i mean i i look at you and i'm 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 definitely impressed and like makes me think of what can i do even at my level so I think you're succeeding in, in what your goal is there. It's definitely. Um, well, thank you. Yeah, I, hope, I hope that's true. Yeah, I hope yeah. that ends up being the case. Yeah. Because uh, park's not built yet. <laughs> <laughs> there is not a doubt in my mind that, that it happens. So I, it's going to happen. Think... There's such good people working on it. Yeah. yeah. Like, we have a team now. Yeah. It's going to be sick. It's going to be really sick. I, uh, I always, we're like almost at two hours and I always ask people what they watch on YouTube before, before we hang up and, or get off the line. And I know we talked about this before, but maybe you have some new channels that you've been checking out. What, what is it you like to watch? Um, what's catching your attention lately? Oh, I have some guilty, guilty pleasures yeah. on YouTube. What do you um, got? So I, I really like watching Doug DeMuro for some reason. What's I, I'm not... So he reviews cars and I'm uh-huh. not into cars. I yeah. have a Honda Ridge. I have a Honda Ridge line. Like I, yeah. I don't, I'm not into cars, yeah. but for some reason it's interesting. Yeah. And so I, I'm that viewer. It's like, I'm not even into cars, but I like watching your channel. Yeah. And yeah. I, I have those viewers that are like, I don't even mountain bike, but I like watching your videos. Yeah. And so yeah. I'm that with a Doug Tamuro video. <laughs> right um, I really like this old Tony. Uh-huh. He What's does that? machining. Mm-hmm. Um, and oh, I think I've seen that guy. I think I have seen He's that guy. He's funny. Yeah. And, and Eve, Arduino yeah. versus Evil. 
Abe, he's funny as hell. Um, yeah. And he does, he does everything from machining to electronics and stuff. So that's right up my alley. Uh-huh. Um, I, uh, I'll also, um, Rich Rebuilt. Mm-hmm. I love Rich Rebuilt. What the guy who like repairs Teslas. Like I'll take a Tesla that was like completely underwater and salt water and he'll break oh, wow. it all down and it'll restore it and make it work again. Oh, wow. That's crazy. Um, and now I'm starting to get into some RC channels too. Yeah, I would imagine probably that, that that's crazy how that, uh, how there's like rebuild kind of channels. I, I watched some guy like take apart some old PS4 or, or PS2 like the other day. Oh, the restoration channels. Yeah. And I'm like, <laughs> you, you know, you just burn like 15 minutes watching this person take this thing apart and sand it and put it back together. And you're like, why? But it's, I don't know why, but it's like relaxing to watch. So I t- totally, I totally get it. Um, what is on the tip of my tongue? My mechanics uh-huh. is the name of the channel. He restores stuff and the quality of the videos and the quality of the restorations. Unbelievable. Um, I watch a lot of Kevin Talbot. He yeah. does RC stuff. Uh-huh. And I mean, he is like raw talent, like as a YouTuber, uh-huh. raw, raw talent, like in the, in its purest form, like he just picks up the camera and just gets hyped. And he, yeah. just go, and he goes out and bashes. He, he breaks everything he brings out every single time. Yeah. And uh, yeah, he's, <laughs> he's awesome. <laughs> That's fun. That's super fun. Well, man, it was awesome having you on the show. I really appreciate it. Every time we chat, it's a great time. I'm looking Thanks for forward. Having me. Yeah, definitely. I'm looking forward to uh, you having that ribbon cutting ceremony. And hopefully I can can make my way back over to your, your neck of the woods and we can uh, we can actually do a little fist bump or something like that in person instead of what's been going on here for this last year. So once again, truly, truly appreciate it. Everybody out there. I thank all of you guys for tuning in, listening to us, whether you're on the podcast or you're listening to this live on YouTube or watching it on YouTube after the fact, uh, definitely appreciate everybody out there. If you want to check out a little bit more content, swing by my Instagram or my Facebook at biker B one. So B one K E R B one. If you guys want to help support the channel, please do that at patreon.com slash biker or biker.com. You can find it on there. If you want to help Seth and his berm park, go to his Patreon, join. It's two bucks a month. It's really not that much. So I um I think that it, it's a it's a good thing. And if you guys have listened to the whole show, you'd probably already get it. And those of you guys that want to get one of these sick uh bottle openers that I showed you earlier, got them on shop. Oh, that's sweet. Yeah, it's the same size as a credit card, man. And it's like, if you, you never know when you need to open up a cold one. There you go. You don't have to use your or, teeth. Or chuck it at someone yeah. right into their eye. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> that was a really fun project. This first time that I ever like had an idea for something and took it from conception to a manufacturer and had them create it was pretty cool. So I appreciate everybody that tuned in. And I want you guys to remember that it only takes a bike to be a biker. So get out and be one.